We've been talking about how change is an inevitable part of our life. And especially in this season where we're approaching summer, uh, summer is often itself a season of change. Many of us uh, might move to a new house or to a new location. Some of us are anticipating moving to a new school. Some of us are, are, are thinking about uh, maybe even changing jobs. And for our family, we are anticipating a season of change going on a sabbatical. And as a church, we're, we're always constantly asking, how is God wanting to change and grow us as disciples of Jesus. Change is really unavoidable. It's not if we change, but how we change. And one of the things that we try to acknowledge regularly is that healthy things grow, right? If you're healthy, you grow. Healthy plants grow. Healthy kids grow. Healthy businesses grow. Healthy things grow. But growing things change. With growth comes new opportunities, new realizations. Growing in maturity means that we become different people over time. Healthy things grow and growing things change. The question has never been whether or not we will experience change, but how we will respond when change happens. In reality, we also mentioned last week that if we think about it, the Christian life is really all about change, isn't it? Isn't that what we believe, that because Jesus is alive, Jesus changes everything for you and for me? And and that the goal of the Christian life is that we are transformed over and over again to become more and more like Jesus, to become more godly in our lives, to take on the righteousness that comes as a gift from Christ and, and incorporate that into our lives so that we are changed over time. As we learned last week, One of the realities that we can learn is that we are always the most teachable when we're in the midst of change. The challenge from the Bible really is always to learn to trust that God is faithful, that God is with us, that God can use the good and the bad in our lives to continue to allow us to grow through change. He's shown himself to be faithful in the past, and we can trust that he will be faithful in the future. Now, I I don't know what season of change you're in or a season of change that you might be anticipating moving toward in this summer or beyond. As I said, maybe you're planning on going to a new school. Maybe you're anticipating graduating and going to college for the very first time. Maybe you're newly married and and the, the life of marriage is change, right? Or you're a new grandparent or a parent for the first time. Or maybe you're anticipating an empty nest for the first time. For many, though, change is not a season to cheer for, right? It can also be a hard season. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've gotten sick. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks and you're experiencing difficult and traumatic change. One of the hardest times of change in our life are those times that we didn't choose and that we didn't anticipate. Yet we also mentioned that one of the biggest opportunities of change is to recognize that whether it's a hard change or it's an easy change or a good change, you're never more teachable than in the midst of change. Even in those most difficult circumstances, God can begin to teach us new things. God can show up in new ways if we allow ourselves to see God in the present, in the moment, and remain teachable. Today, I want to take a quick aside in this idea of being teachable to talk about one of the dangers that change can bring. You know, when I uh, was a 
15-year-old kid, we moved from Chicago to Phoenix. And my dad was a pastor, and he uh, was invited to plant a brand new church in the city of Phoenix. And so we pulled up stakes from Chicago. We moved across country, which is great. I had my uh, uh, driver's permit, so I got to help drive the, the, the family across country. It was a great learning experience. Uh, but when we got to Phoenix, uh, there was no youth group because this was a tiny little church plant. Uh, there was no community around me. There was great change for a 15-year-old kid. I I didn't have any friends. I I was in a new city. I was in a new school. And all of this new opportunity also brought great risk. And the choices that I made... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) The choices that I made at that time in my life got me off track with God because I didn't choose good friends. I didn't invest myself in the things of God. And I spent a number of years walking away from God because this change, this new opportunity got me off balance in my spiritual life. And it got me off track in what was best and what God had for my life. Now, another interesting thing about this time of years, because I always wanted to play football, but they didn't have football at my school in Chicago, but they did in Phoenix. So I started to be able to play football and, and I got on the football team and I, and I wanted to play either defensive end or tight end because those positions are, are kind of roaming positions or you're going out and catching passes or some blocking, but it, you're not down in the thick on the line, right? Uh, and we had an injury about halfway through the season and our right guard was out and the coach said, note hell for you're playing right guard, offensive line. I mean, I, I, I wasn't big enough for that even at that time, but they stuck me down in the trenches. And what I learned in being down in the thick of it in the line is that when this ball is snapped and you come off the line and you hit your opponent, it's not about how hard you hit your opponent, but it's how quickly you can get them off balance. Because if you can get your opponent off balance, you can push them or move them in whatever direction you want them to go. And the same thing is true in boxing. If you're a, if you're a boxing aficionado, you, it's not how hard you can punch that, that determines whether you're going to win a fight. Because if your opponent is able to stay balanced, they can block those punches. So your goal is to try and get your opponent off balance. And when they're off balance, then you can come in with the, the lethal strike, right? And you can knock them out. See, getting off balance is much more important than the strength that we're able to maintain in lots of athletic activities. Do you realize that as a follower of Jesus, in a spiritual sense, you have an enemy that will do anything to knock you off balance and to to strike a killing blow in your life? 1 Peter 5.8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So this morning, I'd like to suggest three things that we need to understand about change. Number one is that when you experience change, change throws you off balance. 
When your life is not changing much, it's like you're walking on flat, stable ground. Uh, Your guard is up. Everything's good. You kind of know how to handle yourself. But the moment something begins to change, and and think about a hard change that you've been through. When, When life starts to change, you could almost say you're in an uphill season of life. Life becomes more difficult, uh, and the ground begins to shift under you, and you have to begin this difficult incline. You begin to get off balance in your life. All of a sudden, it's a a lot harder to make your way forward and to keep your balance, but it's not just those tough times of life, those uphill times. Think about those downhill times when you, you've had change that you've wanted. Uh, things have gone your way and all of a sudden you're, 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 you're finding yourself being able to move faster and you, you're able to buy that new home or you've graduated from college and you're starting a new career or, or you've just got married and these times are, are, are good times but they're also times when we can get off balance because the speed of change might be happening more rapidly than, than we can anticipate and those also t- are times when we might be at risk. And see, the second thing I think we need to understand is when you're off balance, your opponent has an opportunity to strike. When you're off balance, your opponent has an opportunity to strike. So you understand when you're off balance, that's exactly when you may be most susceptible to a strike from the enemy in your life. I just want you to feel this for a moment, okay? Just just play with me here, all right? I want everybody to just, if you're able, stand up. If you're not able to, that's okay. You're going to get the point just as well as everyone else. If you're able to, stand up. Uh, Now, if it's not weird, if it's not too awkward, if you know the person next to you, I want you to just give them a little nudge. Just a gentle nudge. Just a little nudge. Okay, a gentle nudge. All right, all right. You get the point. You get the point. All right. Okay, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. It's a little more challenging. Again, only if you're able to. If you're not able to, please don't. Uh, I want you to lift one foot. One foot. Okay, now on one foot, just give them another little nudge. Just a, a, gentle, a gentle nudge. Okay, okay. All right, all right, thank you. You can, you can be seated. But, but you see the difference, right? I think there were some wives out there just giving their husbands an oh. You see intuitively and practically and even physically, when you're a season of change and your life is not as balanced as it normally is, it's so much more easy for the enemy to deliver a strike in your life. Which means, number three, therefore, spiritually, in the midst of change, you can expect temptation. You can expect temptation. Think about your own life for a minute. If you look back at the seasons in your life and and some of those hard seasons of change that you went through, uh, were you most, where, where you were most tempted or maybe where you fell into temptation the most, I'll bet it was a season of change. It may have been your first time away from home. It may have been your first year of college, your, your first spring break, the first time you fell in love. It might have been right after that, that first baby was born or when things at work all of a sudden began to get really stressful for the first time. It may have been a season of disappointment and when everything was going south and nothing made sense. Anytime there's a change in our lives, whether it's a good change or a hard change, the ground beneath us begins to shift and we get off 
balance. And when Satan sees shifting ground under your feet and my feet, he sees it as his opportunity to create a striking moment in your life. Now, just knowing that a season of change can bring huge temptation is a, is a big takeaway for us this morning. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing that I want us to recognize is that we have to be asking the question, knowing this is true, how do I keep my balance in the midst of change? And, and, and I know that even a little bit of change can get me off balance. And, and so if I know that that's when Satan wants to strike, how do I prepare myself in advance to be able to keep my balance in and through times of change. Now, Scripture has a lot to say about this, but for today, I want to look at one story from the Bible. And and I want to look at at one kind of basic truth that we can pull out of this story, and the story comes from the life of a man named Joseph. Joseph's story is found in the first book of the Bible in Genesis. It, It covers about 13 chapters from chapter 37 to chapter 50, so we're not going to be able to read it all today. So don't worry, that's not going to happen. But I would like to, you to consider, I would like to consider challenging you to read these 13 chapters of Joseph's story over the next couple weeks. If you read a chapter a day, that'll get you through the next 13 or 14 days. What we're going to do today, though, is we're going to hit some highlight verses out of the story and see if we can zero in on this one truth that I think can help us perhaps more than any other in keeping our balance in times of change. Now, if you know the story of Joseph, you know that maybe no one in the Old Testament experienced more dramatic change in their life than Joseph. He he was a a 17-year-old teenager. He he was dad's favorite, right? Dad gave him the the, the robe of many colors, and and he had 10 older brothers who were so jealous of him because his dad was, uh, he was his dad's favorite. The the Bible says they, they hated him. Right? Verse 4 of chapter 37 says, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Anyone else in here grow up in a dysfunctional family? You are not alone. Just go back to Scripture and look at the people of Scripture. All of us have experienced challenging family experiences and the dysfunction of our broken humanity. But no matter how strained your family relationships may have been, I would doubt that any of your siblings went as far as Joseph's brothers went. Right In verse 20, it says, Come now. Let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. However, if you know the story, at the 11th hour, his brother Judah raises the question, you know, maybe it's not a great idea for us to kill him. Why don't we just sell him? Which is a whole lot better, right? And so they literally sell their brother to a band of traders who are coming from Canaan and going down to Egypt for 20 pieces of silver. They take this fancy robe that his father gave him and they they tear it up and they throw blood on it. And they present it to his dad and say, you know, a wild animal got Joseph. We're so sorry. Can you imagine, though, the amount of change that this propels Joseph into as a young 17-year-old boy man. (laughs) As some of you can relate, and you know why, that the wounds of a family member often cut the deepest. 
For some of you, the greatest amount of change you've experienced in your own life is because of a family member who hurt you. And imagine what Joseph is going through at the hands of his own family, those who are supposed to love him the most. He's sold into slavery. And jumping to chapter 39, verse 1, it says Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Israelite Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Now we know that Potiphar was this high-ranking government official. And so Joseph, as this young man, is now a slave in Potiphar's household. He's in a, a brand new country. He probably doesn't even speak the language. And he becomes this slave that's expected to live out his days as a, as a household slave. I mean, what is Joseph supposed to think about his life and his God in this moment? Where is God in the midst of Joseph's change? And yet in the very next verse, we're told something that just messes with our assumptions about God. 39.2 tells us the Lord was with Joseph. Well, now, wait a minute. The Lord was with Joseph? That, that, that can't be true. That's not right, right? That's not how the story should go. Uh, if God was with Joseph, if the Lord was with Joseph, Joseph isn't sold into slavery, Uh, If the Lord was with Joseph, uh, God supernaturally turns Joseph into Captain America, right? And, And he defeats his brothers, and they're all on the ground crying, saying, we're so sorry we tried to go against you. Let us worship you for the rest of our lives. Right? And then this, this voice from heaven says, This is my son Joseph, whom I love. Don't mess with him again. Isn't that what happens when God is with Joseph? No, it says God was with Joseph and he was sold into slavery. And here we begin to learn something about our relationship with God. Think about a change that you're going through right now or that you're anticipating coming. And maybe it's a really, really hard change for you. When you're going through a tough change, we can ask ourselves two questions. Do I assume God is with me or do I assume God is against me? Or maybe you could uh, input there, God uh, has abandoned me. God is apart from me. Do I assume God is with me when I'm going through a tough change or do I assume that God is against me or God has left me? And how you answer this question will determine how you respond to your experience of change in your life. It will impact your ability to stand strong on shifting ground or to be negatively impacted by those shifts and and vulnerable to a strike from the enemy. What is it for you this morning? Is God with you or is God against you? Joseph is going through a tough season of change and had to answer this question for himself. And the reason that this question matters so much is because in a season of change, we are often presented with temptation, right? If you know the story of Joseph, what happens five verses later? Verse seven of chapter 39. After a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, hey, come to bed with me. Now, we know that Potiphar, being a pretty powerful official, an important man in the region, it's likely that, that, that Potiphar's wife was nothing to sneeze at, right? She was probably a pretty beautiful woman. 
And so you've got to think about this. Joseph is 17 years old. I don't know if anybody remembers what your hormones were like at 17. But think about this. This phrase, come to bed with me, sounds so innocent in our English translation. But as a slave in Egypt at the time, this wasn't an invitation. It was a command. A slave was there to serve, and that's it, or to get the death penalty. So what's Joseph supposed to do, right? He's alone in a new country. He, he doesn't even really speak the language. He's been betrayed by his own family. And, and this woman who's probably beautiful is coming on to him. I mean, if it, was a, if it was a movie on Netflix, we know what would happen next. But listen to what Joseph says in verse 9. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing against Potiphar? Oh, that's not what it says, is it? How could I do such a wicked thing against you as a, as a one? No, that's not what it says either. How could I do such a wicked thing against God? You see, in spite of everything that has happened to Joseph, Joseph assumed that God was right there with him. God had not left him. God hadn't abandoned him. He wasn't judging his relationship with God based on his external circumstances. And although uh, she spoke to Joseph day after day, it says he refused to go to bed with her or even be near her. He ran from temptation because he knew God was with him. Because of this, in this time, we expect that God is really going to stand up for Joseph, right? Joseph did the right thing. He made the right choice. And so now God's going to stand up for him. And this is where God comes through, right? Nope. You know what happens next? He's framed for rape. He's thrown in prison and he rots there for years and years. Verse 30, uh, chapter 39, verse 20 and 21. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Wait a minute. That's not how it happens, right? If the Lord's with him, Joseph doesn't get thrown in prison. If God's with him, Potiphar walks in on his wife while she's coming on to Joseph and he catches her in the act and he throws her out and instead he frees Joseph. And Joseph goes triumphantly back to Canaan to, to see his father and his brother sitting around the table and says, I'm back, suckers. Bow. Right? No, he, he's, he's thrown in prison. And yet God is with him and he's thrown in prison. And this is when we begin to recognize this significant reality about our relationship with God is you cannot judge your, by your circumstances whether God is with you or not. Your circumstances aren't a good measurement of God's love for you. Or if God is with you, you, you could be under some of the worst circumstances and God is right there with you working things out for your good and for his glory. And conversely, you could be in some of the best circumstances of your life and God doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Now, I, I don't know if you're like me, but, but, but I'm human. And generally, when I experience times of change and especially hard change, I don't want God to walk me through hard change right? What, what do I want? I want God to bail me out of hard change. 
I don't want God to walk me through hard change. I want him to bail me out. I mean, if the plane is coming down and there's going to be a crash landing, I want him to pull the eject button, right? And yet we're told over and over again in the story of Joseph that God was with him as he asked Joseph to walk through these hard changes. Now, I haven't been through anything like Joseph, and I don't know if you have as well, but this is what I do know. The times that I've been the most tempted in my life and the times that I have most often given in to temptation in my life have been times of change. And my ability to stand strong in the midst of temptation often depended on whether I was willing to focus on the reality that God was with me and to lean into that reality and that strength that God allowed or or to believe that somehow God wasn't present or God didn't care or somehow I could hide from God in the midst of that change. And the reality is what scripture is telling us in no matter what change we're going through, we never have to wonder if God is with us. You never have to doubt God's love for you. Do you understand that one of the greatest promises of all scripture is that God is with you? Hebrews 13.5 says, God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Ever. Never. And when God says never, he means never. And if you think about it, the story of Jesus' life, when Jesus first arrives on the scene at the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, do you remember what the angels declare about Jesus? The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then if you go to the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, and you see the last words that Jesus leaves with his disciples on earth, in chapter 28, he says, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. The question for you and me, not only today, but as we go out into our lives, and as we're going through our lives day to day, and we find ourselves experiencing the shifting grounds of change and temptation coming our way, is do you believe this truth for you? Because your answer to that question will determine your ability to stay strong in the midst of your change. How on earth did a 17-year-old teenager keep his character in the midst of change? Joseph did exactly what we would expect someone to do if they believed God was with them. Do you believe God is with you today? And And I wonder in this season of change, what's at stake in your life by answering that question? I wonder how, what story you will have to tell as you look back on this season of your life, five years from now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now, that story will be a story of God's faithfulness and God's presence in your life, or whether it'll be a story of your own fear and doubt and questioning. Now, next week, we're going to look at the long-term results of of God's presence in Joseph's life. But today, I, I just simply want us to think about how would I respond to change today if I was confident that God was with me? How would I respond to change today if I was confident that God was with me? I want to close this morning, and then we're going to go to a time of communion by just reading some statements and inviting you to open your heart and your mind to the possibility that God may want to give you a word of encouragement this morning. Maybe some of these things will touch you personally, or, or maybe it'll resonate with some experience of change that you're going through.
He was faithful his whole life, and his wife walked away from him, and God was with him. She found out her husband was having an affair and was wrapped up in some really bad things, and God was with her. They had a child born with some really serious health issues, and God was with them. She's been waiting her whole life for the right man to come along, and it just never seems to work out for her. And God is with her. Their marriage was falling apart, and they didn't know how it was going to get any better. And God was with them. His job became overwhelming, and the business was falling apart, and God was with him. Do you believe that God can be with you no matter what you're going through right now? Because when you're in a season of change, a season of change can get you off balance. And during a season of change, you need to know what you're going to do. So here's my prayer for each one of us today. I hope that we will recognize that God is with us and will never leave us. And because of that, we will operate day to day confidently that even in our season of change, we know that because God is with us, even when we begin to get off balance, we can reach out for him rather than reaching out for something else.